this week's Lo-Fi Top 5. Jeremy, how are you now? Well, I made you laugh right there, so I couldn't be too bad. <laughs> I mean, that's there's no better way to start a podcast with one of your best friends when you're when you're laughing it up, yucking it up. It's like I I'm so happy with the rebrand, which we never really like talked too much about. We don't need to because it just it already happened. The only thing that's sad is like it was the the wigman thing was good for me to come in singing, and now I don't really want to sing anymore. And and so yeah, you just made me laugh because I don't really know how to start. And so we're just gonna start, and we started. Yay! It's happening. <laughs> well, speaking of things that made you sad, JT. Oh, look at you go. I think we've got a lot of things to talk about today that made one of us sad or both or other people. There might be some sadness, but we're going to do it in a happy way. That is a brilliant uh, way to walk into this. So this week, our top five list is the top five guy cry movies. Shout out, Tammy. What a great name. Uh, Basically, it's exactly what it sounds like. Uh, Movies that made guys who are you and I, both guys, identify as guys, cry. So, Jer, how did your list making go? Well, it was another case of the instant write down a few titles that came to mind right away, followed by some kind of soul searching, because I really wanted to do this right and not just uh, And I'll, when we get to the spreadsheet portion of the episode, I'll explain a little more <laughs> of my thinking there. Uh, so. I, again, I had to sort of give myself a little framework or, you know, as I like to say, rubric for how I'm going to think about the movies. But once I got to that point, it, it was pretty good. And, you know, much like watching these movies, a little little cathartic. I almost cried thinking of the guy cries. Wow. That's great. How about you, JT? So two things right off the rip for me. Uh, number one was a list decision which is that I have not included anything animated in the list whatsoever. Uh, And it's because I think we've covered off that I love animated movies and I think they're wonderful. They also play a big part in my life because I got little kids. Uh, So we watch them a lot. And with that being said, uh, a lot of them are like aggressively sad and they all would have made the list, like the whole list would have just been animated, animated, animated. So I just removed that from my zeitgeist entirely for this. The second thing that I realized in making this list is that, and maybe you'll get into this in in the rubric, which your spreadsheet's next I want to talk about, is I had to really fight for, is it a sad scene? Is it one moment or is it multiple moments? Is it sad? Mm -hmm. Like, what's the cry for Mm -hmm. was a thing that I had to lean into. So I'm very excited to see where your list came about for that reason, which is a good way to... I think saunter our way directly into Jeremy. It sounds like you have a spreadsheet this week, which is very exciting. I'm back on track. You know, I, I, I like, I don't like making spreadsheets actually at all. <laughs> Nobody likes making spreadsheets, but they're also sort of a satisfying kind of thing to do. Yeah, for sure. Now JT, I figured something out about the spreadsheets and why I've taken a couple of breaks, which I know brings you great sadness. Great. That is one of my top five guy cries is when Jeremy doesn't have a rubric. <laughs> I figured out the thing. It's basically when it's purely, utterly subjective. When it's just like, what's a movie that made, like nostalgia or whatever. Something that's like, like last week's, uh, where I couldn't come up with a unifying structure. That makes sense. This week I could, and here we go. Yay! <laughs> so we have the movie and the cast. Always. Love those. Always. 
Now, JT, you know, part of, part of what I like about my spreadsheet is trying to find the one thing that, that's going to just sort of get you going with it a little bit. So yeah. here are the three creative categories I, I've, I've concocted. The first one I think is possibly obvious and then getting, getting increasingly interesting. Uh, mm -hmm. Is it a sniffle or a ball? Are you, oh, that's good. <laughs> are you, is your like, face wet at the end of the scene <laughs> or movie? Or did you just sort of tear up a little bit and turn your head away from, you know, your kids who are watching you cry at some random movie. Oh, no, that's just me. That's just me. Uh, so that was the first one. The next one, I called it the cry versus guy cry. In other words, some movies, everybody's going to cry. And some movies, you know, we would say more stereotypically as a guy cry kind of movie. Yep, that's fair. But then the one that I think is my favorite is the recryability. Hmm. Yep. How much am I going to cry the next time I see this one? I that that's the winner for sure. Recryability is like that's yes, because th this is a thing that I actually thought about a lot during this process because like I I have no shame. I cried multiple times making this list because I found stuff and went and looking at clips on YouTube and I was like, oh yeah, this scene is really sad. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'll just say this going before going. I didn't know where I was going to disclaim this, but at some point, I think I might cry in every movie at some point. Usually, <laughs> it's the music that does it to me, like some uplifting sequence or some overcoming adversity. You know, don't get me wrong; it's not like I don't cry in Die Hard or anything. But you put on any, as you said before, any animated movie. My original list, by the way, was just Coco five times. <laughs> that's great that's so, great yeah i'm a i'm a i am a cry baby in movies straight up yeah listen and and like this is obviously a fun category it's just so it's such a great name category but the truth is is that like movies are supposed to be emotional and cry it doesn't matter if you're a guy or not like these are just basically what this means is it's a clever title but what it means is movies that we connect with and cry with like you know cry at and i will get into it but i took some liberties as to whether or not i think they're particularly guy specific or not uh that being said we do have the shawshank so Jeremy, do you have a category-defying guy cry movie? <laughs> I mean, I do, but I've never seen the movie. So I kind of think that I'm not supposed to do that because we've always agreed that it's only movies we've seen. But it's just one of those, like, I felt if I didn't mention the movie, and I wasn't sure if you'd seen it either. But there's sort of this one movie that I was like, it sort of belongs here, maybe a weird... Shawshank with an asterisk or something? I don't know. I have no idea what you're talking about, and I'm so excited that I definitely want you to pitch this as a Shawshank now. So, yeah, what is it? Uh, 1957, Metacritic of 84, and my five words are, spoiler, they shoot the hero. 1957. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I have like embarrassing guesses because 50s, the 50s are weird. I feel like I know 60s stuff pretty well. And this is like a Butch Cassidy is what's coming to head, but I think that's 70s. I have no idea what this is. So this is, and again, I have not seen it, so I can't even talk about it in the slightest, but I just sort of felt if we didn't mention it, it'd be a weird list. The movie is Old Yeller. <gasps> oh, okay. 
Did they remake Old Yeller at some point, or is it really only the '57 version? Did they, was that in color? Yeah, the color. The, by the the color color thing happened in the '50s. Well, most people think it's the '60s. It was the '50s. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I also haven't seen this, but I feel like um, I feel like that's totally fair. Sure. Why not? That could be Shawshank. <laughs> that was it. That's all I got, buddy. How about you? I do have one. Before you go. Yeah. Before you go. I have a hunch yours is from my list because I think I know where you're going to go. I don't know. But but I deliberately actually did not Shawshank an entry that was easily Shawshankable because I wanted to talk about it this week. But you go. That's, so that's Ooh. why I, I think I know where you're going with it. And that's okay because you can list it and I can still talk about it. All right. Well, you do start the week. So if this is something that you Shawshank, then you could just roll right into it. So let's see. 1993? Yep. With a 71. Yep. The floor is yours, my friend. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So before divulging the title, of course, we're going to go with, uh, by the way, a spreadsheet score of 90, uh, which was a scale this week from a 63 to a 90. This was a peak top row spreadsheet. (laughs) Um, (laughs) My clues are going to be Ned Beatty and Lily Taylor. Okay. And the five words were, who's the wild man now? So my five words were five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing. Nice. (laughs) So the movie we're talking about, everybody, is Rudy. Yep. The reason I – look, our rule of Shawshanks is we all talk about them. It belongs there. But I've wanted to talk about Rudy for a while. We haven't. Um, And a friend of mine is heavily involved in the movie, and so – Shout out to Dan. Uh, I love this movie. I used to have a saying that if you can watch Rudy and not even like well up a little bit, you might just be a sociopath. Fair. That's kind of what I used to think of this movie. I still sort of think it. It's emotional, heavy payload at the end. Like it is the ultimate overcoming uh, adversity in a sports movie period. Like, I cannot think of another journey as told in a sports movie that is as emotionally challenging throughout, right? You might have other, like, like Rocky's a great story of like coming from behind and all the, like they're all sports movies are sort of the same. Like you never start a sports movie. Like here's the champ and watch him stay as champ the whole time. Like there's, that's the whole point. Right. Right. (laughs) But Rudy in particular, because he, he has to overcome getting into school, and it starts at the other school, and then he's like not even going to be allowed to try out for the team, and then he finally gets to try out for the team, and then he finally makes the team, and et cetera, and et cetera, and et cetera. And it's one of those, like, actually, you could have re- reduced three things from the end of this movie, and it's still a phenomenal story. Yeah. Right? But then, like, the fact that it actually happened to Mr. Rudiger... Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, for the few people who have not seen Rudy, I'm not going to say what those last few sequences are now. Who hasn't seen Rudy? Who hasn't seen Rudy? All right, well, if you haven't seen Rudy, just skip ahead 30 seconds or so. But when they put him up, like, first the scene, by the way, where the players take off their jerseys and they're like, I'm not playing today, coach. Rudy can have my spot. Dude, that scene gives me the worst chills hearing you mention it, knowing it was coming, that and the way they shot it too, I literally actually have chills right now. 
the way they shot that scene, like from behind the desk, you player after oh, dude, forget it, forget it. <laughs> it's gorgeous. And then they're actually on the field, and you just see him like he's just so happy to be there. Again, a different version of the story. Or I'm sure it happened to other people in real life. That was the end of the story. He just made it onto the field, right? That one game, he made it. He got to play. Then he gets to go in. And not only does he get to go in, he does stuff. Like, honestly, I would probably get a little teary if I go through the rest of this plot line at this point. Just so good. Dude, I just thought, as you're talking about it, I thought about, I forgot the guy's name, but the big lineman going, Rudy. Rudy. Just that part is making me pretty emotional. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So good. In fact, when I think about, so the quote of uh, to my, my five words is, who's the wild man now? That's John Favreau from The Stands. Yep. Yeah. So, and even repicturing that, I'm like, ooh, I love that scene. I kind of want to yeah. watch Rudy. I kind of want to watch Rudy tonight. Uh, I love this movie. I lo- I, and by the way, I think it's worth noting that it pays out this emotional hit in no way. You could argue it's schmaltzy, but in no way are they overdoing anything. Like they just tell the story in a beautiful way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the re- very specifically, the reason that this was a Shawshank to me, A, is because I agree with you. If you watch this movie and don't feel the feelings, you're a sociopath. <laughs> Um, the other reason is because the thing I've always loved about this movie, and I actually think it is the archetype for, I don't want to call it guy cry, but just like universal feelings, is that while Schmaltz, sure, nothing in this movie is cheap. There's no, none of it's cheap. Right. All of it is super, super earnest and deserved. So even though you go, this isn't real, even though, by the way, it was, which is why Rudy's so special. But like, None of it was like cheap. None of it was like pulling on anything. It just happened. Like that's how it was. Yeah. And they might have like upped the ante a little bit for like theatrical purposes, but like it that's that's the story, man. Like that's the story. <laughs> it, it's so good. Oh, it's I so also good. know this this one little bit of trivia. So I'm going to bring up well, uh, ooh, am I bring up a movie that might be on your list? You can. I might. It might happen. So. A movie that I'll just say straight up is not in mine at all is Hoosiers, which we've talked about as well many times. I didn't know the same composer wrote the scores for both movies. They're both very emotionally uplifting scores. But what's interesting is I don't find Hoosiers as much of a tearjerker. Like a little, I can get a little, if I'm really in that right place. Well, again, I cry at everything. So if I get in the right place, (laughs) I can get there. But I still, but it didn't, even, even me saying that it didn't, it didn't, hit me as I call it a guy cry kind of movie. Whereas Rudy squarely did. And I, oh, yeah. I always think about like that, that parallel. Is it because of the individual achievement as opposed to Hoosiers, which is a team achievement? I don't really know, but Rudy, 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 Rudy. Dude, great pick. Uh, I'm fine with not Josh Angie. I'm actually kind of glad you didn't because I'm glad we got to talk about it because now I'm like in a really good mood. Cause it's just like, it's one of my favorite movies. It's such a good movie. And I knew uh, we, yeah. hadn't, we hadn't talked about it. We haven't talked about Rudy. I think we mentioned it briefly in our first episode talking about sports movies. Yeah. Right. So we didn't like, and I, and I would argue that the most important part of Rudy is the cry at the end. Oh yeah. I think that's what really brings it home. Look on, on all of all the picks that could have gotten made this one. Be, that's why Shawshank did. This is a beautiful pick. And I think uh, it's going to be hard for anybody for either of us to top 
Rudy is a better guy cry. Uh, but it's my turn, so I'm going to try. <laughs> All right, you do it. I, I, I think that was my I, – I think the next you'll just be like, okay, good picks, buddy. But, like, that's that's the one of the five. Yeah, it's the, it's the ultimate pick. Just ultimate. <laughs> Not penultimate, but ultimate. Right. See, I'm learning, fans. June 9th, 1989 with a 79%. On the old Metacritic. 1989. Okay, go on. Uh, It's hard to give you basically anybody. I'll give you Kirkwood Smith and Josh Charles. Yeah, I know the movie. Okay. Do you want my five words? Uh, I do, and then I'll give you the five I have because I think this is my pong. Okay. So my five words. There's actually a... Trend in my five words this week. So remember, my for, for Rudy were five foot nothing, hundred and nothing. For this movie, it's travesty, horror, decadence, excrement. All right. Nothing. I don't think I would have got it from the five words. That's a good one, though. Mine was uh, worst dad ever, Carpe Diem. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Carpe Diem was great. That would have been a good. I, I probably would have gotten it off of Carpe Diem. So this is Dead Poet Society. Um, I think arguably one of my favorite Robin Williams performances of all time. Uh, This is just, this movie to me is highly emotional, basically all the way through. Uh, Also to your point, um, I cry at stuff a lot. Also like I really cry at stuff since I had kids, like whole new version of crying. And so with this entire deal, like, Look, this is the only piece of trivia, but it's also why it's on my list that I think is super interesting. There's actually a lot of interesting trivia in this, by the way. Kurtwood Smith, right, saw a family where the father was domineering his son very much like his character in the film. And he saw that same family leaving and saw that the father was crying and holding his son like as like a buddy as they walked out. And that's why this is on my list. I mean, like... If this movie doesn't move you to tears, if it doesn't at least move you again, high on the sociopath tra- train, like pretty, pretty big high. time. Pretty high. Yeah, but j- just like we talked about this scene recently, but it's so much more than this scene. It's about like all the emotion that goes into it. It's about connecting with the characters, trying to find their way. Um, it's about not not fitting in and, and the ones who are fitting in, struggling to remain fitting in. There's just a, like universal themes in this that I think strike a chord with me, maybe because like, I kind of sucked as a teenager and wasn't very good at school. Like I wasn't good at this stuff. So maybe that's why, but this movie, if it's on the dude, the end, the, Oh, captain, my captain on the desk, the entire scene when he finds out and he goes into his office, like there's a couple moments in this where I am for sure pretending it's dusty in my house. I'm like, Oh, this is something's wrong. I just don't. Yeah. It's I, I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry at this movie every time. I think so. For me, I wrote down the, the note that it's the uh, the Oh Captain, My Captain scene is the oh. one. It's uh, oh. is it Robert Sean Leonard that's first? I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. it's tough stuff, and I, you know this is an interesting one for both of us also because a I also had pretty you know mediocre high school experience, but I was also older when this came. So I said this was a theatrical experience for me. Yeah. So this is a, you know, you just think about all those things. I, I, I was a mid-teenager, I believe, when it came out. I was 89, right? Yep. Yeah, so I'm like 16, 17. Like, that's like hitting Fresh. you hard, right? And this is like late 80s. So 
there's this there's this there's this weird part of the late '80s where this whole like uh, uh, Burke Breath had captured it really well in the comic strip there with um, with this whole moral majority thing. It was this yeah. very weird, uh, just short window there where like it basically I don't know if it was a backlash to all of the '80s or not, but everything sort of like was tightening up a bit. And I think this movie really hit in that right moment where it's like felt as much as it's set. I don't know if it's set in the fifties or the sixties. Fifties. Yeah. Fifties. Yeah. So as much as it's set then, you know, while they're watching old Yeller, it's for me, very, very <laughs> vivid in the, in the, in the eighties. So great choice, buddy. Great choice. Yeah. So two quick movie nerd notes that I, I want to bring up. One is that, and I think this is interesting. And this is one of the one of the things that has always fascinated me about filmmaking in general. So Peter Weir actually chose to film this in chronological order. And I think it shows. I think you can kind of feel it because he wanted the boys' bonds, the actual actors, to get stronger as the story went on. And so it made sense to let them sort of work together. I think that sh- I think there's display there. The other thing that's a movie nerd note, the sound editing in this movie is really strong. Um, everything from like that scene, the the office scene, how the door sounds, his footsteps. When they do the oh captain, my captain, the fact the way they stomp on the desk, like it really like those little things like bring huge emotion into this for me. And it's just I like I think there are pieces of that scattered through all of the '90s films that had emotional stuff. They were just like oh we should really lean into some of this, and I think that movie did it really well. So nice. yeah, for for all those reasons, Dead Poets Society. Shout out to the Foley artist from Dead Poets Society. Love a good Foley. <laughs> and, and the key grip, of course. All right. I don't really know what order to do the rest of my four, JT. I got to be honest. I knew Rudy was going to be the first. I didn't know you were going to. I had a hunch you were going to Shawshank it, like I said. But I knew it was the first one I had to talk about. Because all the rest, you know, they're all, they're, they're, v, they're Avis, right? They're all number two. Right. So, <laughs> second best picks. I think I'm going to go with still sort of my most obvious next pick, and then I'll I'll mix it up a little for the end. All right. Okay, sounds good. Okay, 1989. Also, yep. Uh, Metacritic score of a mere 57, which surprised me a little bit. Got to be honest. Spreadsheet got up there with an 86. Okay. So that spreadsheet's put to work. Oh yeah. Cast includes Gabby Hoffman. And sure. Burt, Le- Burt Lancaster. Sure. Ray Liotta, Frank Whaley, James Earl Jones. Sure. All of them. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even trying to be clever this time. I wrote, they built it, they came. So my five words for this were, you want to have a catch. Yeah. And that's the scene. Yeah. <laughs> that's the scene. There is, if, if Rudy somehow didn't get you and you're not a sociopath, watching an estranged father-son, dead-alive, cornfield, baseball field, like this weird dichotomy that is so beautifully paced with a highly accelerated sunset, by the way. It's always been my hinkiest thing about this movie. That sun sets in like 45 seconds from from like fully bright day (laughs) to we see it's dusk and there's like miles of cars approaching in the Iowa cornfields there. Yep. But as you hear that, yeah, I'm going to cry if I do. You want to have a catch without like making myself not cry. I could cry right now, my friend. Well, so here's the deal. We're going to share this pick because it's my. It was my next one. <laughs> 
because this is that, and funny enough, I did. Fifty Seven is super low, by the way. Right. Like this is not. A, it's not a brilliant movie, but it's not a fifty. It's you know, it ain't Wall Street. <laughs> it's only got one more point than Wall Street, right? Now this is def- this is definitely a. I would give this ten more points in Medicare. This is a sixty-seven. This is yeah. I think encroaching on seventy is probably where this belongs for sure. Yeah. And to to be honest, for the rest of my list, this is my least favorite pick because it is it's basically airmailed. This one's too it's too obvious. And the truth is, the rest of the movie, while emotional, it didn't really like it doesn't grab me the way that some of my other ones do, where there's like a, a line of sadness and a line of good cry and emotion the whole time. It really builds to it. And then, but the payoff in this movie is just absolutely brutal. Dad stuff, sports stuff, law stuff, injustice stuff. Check, 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 check. Cry, cry, cry. I'm crying. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think this movie, by the way, this is going to sound weird for a sec. I, I don't want to remake because it's so specially done and I don't think you can redo it. And I, and you, you probably can't even do the um, point break fast and furious version of it where you're like, now they're building a hockey rink in uh, a logging zone or something. You know, <laughs> right, right. Someone's listening to this. Be like, that's a great idea. Get on it. Plus we can well, film it in Canada. It's much cheaper. Be great. I was going to say, if Letterkenny doesn't do a Field of Dreams, if they don't do a Rank of Dreams episode, they're making a huge mistake. <laughs> nice. What I would have done different, and maybe this is why it's got a bad score. It's probably worth checking out the reviews. I think this they tried to do a little too much in the in this story and not enough on the father-son relationship. I agree. I, I think if you had had, maybe not the, I guess you needed the whole bankers where we might lose our farm thing, but maybe it didn't. Maybe like, you know, maybe this was a great journey, even if the stakes weren't as high as lose your farm. You know what I mean? Like, you could you could just have it be maybe he's getting into struggles with his wife and children, or like you don't you didn't need the because it's a bigger plot, right? There's probably 20 minutes of this movie gone to just scenes in the bank and on the phone with creditors and all that kind of stuff. That's actually really interesting. I would love to see an edit of this where they take that out and just make this like an obsession of his. Yeah. But, but the reason the obsession's there is because of the dad. And maybe when he's talking to James Earl Jones and, 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 and Frank Welly as they're driving, he's talking more about that estranged relationship. And, and maybe, yeah. maybe you needed even one little sequence. I know it'd be a little schmaltzy, but maybe not early in the movie. You could have even done like the pre, pre-title credits thing where you have like just a boy asking his dad to have a catch and the dad's like too busy. He's going off to, he's, going to the airport or whatever. And right. You, and you just see the kid like slump his shoulders and walk away 30 years later, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I'm in. All right. So back to me. Your turn again. All right. By the way, Gabby Hoffman, at first when I was reading, I, I didn't even realize she's one of your rare like child actors who has acted consistently through every age. All the whole time. I had I, I didn't even recognize her as the one in uh, uh, Transparent. Yeah, yeah, she's great. That's cool. Good pull. That's a good pull. Yeah. All right. So again, they get a little more middling from here. If that was our fifty-seven, we'll skip ahead to nineteen ninety-five and go all the way up to a Metacritic score of fifty-nine. Ooh, wow, that's really low. So now we're three more than Wall Street. <laughs> That's never going away for us, I don't think. All right. Nope. We have 
Terrence Howard and Olympia Dukakis. In 95? Yeah. <laughs> what was Terrence Howard in 1995? Oh, my gosh. Um, okay. I keep, keep going, I guess. I have no idea where you're going with this. The five words. 31 years, five-minute composition? All right. Terrence Howard, 1995. 31 years, five-minute composition. This isn't life, is it? It is not. I'll give you another another personality from the movie because Terrence Howard was a bit of a stretch and he has a smallish, smallish role. How about... What if I give you William H. Macy to go along with Olympia Dukakis? Does that help? It really doesn't. <laughs> I gotta be honest. <laughs> no problem. So the movie is... And I know you've seen it. Uh, the movie is Mr. Holland's Opus. Oh, oh, I love this movie. Oh, no, this was a miss. Good job, Jeremy. <laughs> oh, son of a gun. Go ahead. So my five, my five words, just to clarify, the movie takes place over 31. I went and looked it up. The movie takes place over 31 years. And at the very end, there's this whole bit that, you know, you never, you never got to put on your famous concerto because you spent 30 years writing it. They then perform it in, actually, it's probably more like a minute and a half. Yeah. And I don't know. I've never composed music. I'm sure it's challenging. <laughs> but this is one of those, like, did you really need that long? Right. Right. Especially if it was, or or make it a seven-minute scene as the exit credits. Like, make, make it feel like it was more than a minute and a half. <laughs> Something like that. Or, yeah, they start playing it, and you know that it's going to be an hour-long concerto. Yeah. But it's not. And that's okay because th that scene when they do play it is so beautiful. Yeah. And that's my moment in this movie is the, you know, the, the final performance, the, um, he's, he thinks he's being fired or no, he's retired, I believe. Fired or retired or forcefully retired. Maybe it was forcefully retired. Like I think it was stage. forced retirement. Yeah. 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 And then like, what's all that racket coming out of the gym? And it's his kid that takes him. And here I go again. Yeah. You know what? Ladies and gentlemen, this entire episode is now sponsored by Puffs Ultrasoft. Puffs <laughs> Ultrasoft. The perfect companion to any guy cry movie. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, this is just a miss on my part. I totally forgot about this movie. You said Mr. Holland's Opus, and I immediately started in my head signing Beautiful, Beautiful Boy. And now I'm a mess. So I think we should just stop. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Note to, note to us, never do an episode where we think we're going to cry the entire episode. Oh, God. It's so beautiful. Cole, his son's name is Cole. I love this movie. It's such a good movie. I, you know what? This would be a good rewatch. I haven't watched this in a long time. I'd love to see how this holds up. I'm gonna throw, I think it's ready to throw on with the kids. I don't think it's – there's nothing really risque about it. It's, it I, I'm worried it might bore them a little bit because they're a little it's, – it's a little slowish. Yeah. This movie's also for me in that category of, and I know this is a potential list down the down the road, but this is a movie that that I discovered music because of. Sure. Uh, yeah, I didn't know the song "Beautiful Boy" beforehand. Oh, oh boy, that's that's and my guy. <laughs> at the other end of the spectrum, uh, this is when this movie came out. Is right when I was getting into classical, and so the use of uh, Beethoven Seventh in this movie, I think, is particularly beautiful. The, the way yeah. it's paced and. Just such a good story. And by the way, Terrence Howard is the kid 
who gets sent off to Vietnam. No kidding. I had yeah. that. I mean, that never would have landed. That never would have landed for me. Um, wow, that's fun. good for Terrence Howard again. Working that's a long time, man. Good for him. Uh, actually, I have a fun tie-in, so I'm going to take Terrence Howard, and that'll that, that's what's going to drive my next pick. <laughs> uh, April 26th, 2019, with a 78 on Metacritic. Well, if you said Terrence Howard, I was about to be like Iron Man, but it's definitely not Iron Man. It's not Iron Man. Which definitely is not a guy crack. Go on. Okay, uh, let's give you Evangeline Lilly and John Slattery. Wait, what was the Metacritic? 78. Okay, I got it. Okay. My five words were, thought you were a -a (laughs) Build-A-Bear. Mine were, you can rest now, cheeseburgers. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So this is Avengers Endgame. Here's... Here's what happened. <laughs> this is like, this is actually, this is how it happened. This was in Contender Pong for me immediately. I was like, okay, end game, Contender Pong. That's a great, it's a great entry. It's not a top five. Absolute exact same. Go on. Okay. So I, immediately, I was like, this is easy. Uh, and then YouTube happened. And I had two other ones that I liked and I liked them a lot. And I was like, they're probably more fun picks, whatever, whatever. And for some reason, I wound up on YouTube and I watched four or five scenes from Endgame and every single one of them, I was either genuinely crying or on the verge of tears. And I, I just had to move other stuff. I'm like, you know what? I think this movie actually is, it's so recent that I don't have nostalgia for crying during it. Right. And it still feels, cause it's also epic. Like it's also just an epic movie for a bunch of reasons, but the obvious scene is Tony Spoiler alert, but whatever. Yeah. Um, like that, both like his death and then obviously his funeral scene. And and dude, that final scene, like part of the journey is the end. Uh, 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 no, thank you. The way he, the timing of when he turns off the uh, recording. All of it. All of it's hurt. It hurts. Like all that, of it hurts. I, I actually believe that the way they do that final bit is such a difference maker. Like, he turns on and you see him walking away from the, the camera and it's just perfect. Yeah. I mean, this is this, this movie and this will be a different topic for another day too. transcends Marvel transcends comic book movies in a big way. That being said, the reason it's on my list this week is because it's bigger than that scene. There's a lot of emotional parts in this that get me. Some of it is like cry with excitement, dude. When those, when, when Wakanda shows up and those like big, like, you know, they just open the portals and all those people come out. I'm moved to tears. Like, moved. It's stupid. I'm fully aware of how dumb that is, but like, my body goes, yes, they okay. came to help. <laughs> like, <laughs> absolute same. I, I've watched it several times. Uh, I, I had a weird journey with this movie because when Sam and I went to see it, you know, we did that early opening night, whatever, you know, there's like the Thursday's the opening night, but now they have like the Wednesday, Wednesday. 6 p.m. is like the official pre-opening. So we saw that show and I don't know why, JT, but our theater, and, and like the best theater around, and I don't know why, but our theater was particularly dead. It was like a flat room, like nobody cheering much. Like I'm one of those guys, if that, if, if the, if the room is even remotely buzzing, You're I'm right. like. I'm 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 yelling. I'm cheering. I'm clapping. I'm that guy. So, 
So there's a so part of what made this sneak into my top five, and by sneak in, I mean firmly planted itself, is I wound up watching the scenes, and then I wound up watching videos of other people watching the scenes. Because when when people started freaking out, I was like, community! Ah!" (laughs) Like it was just it's such a strong, strong emotion that like even now I'm like getting goosebumps thinking about it. Like it's so exciting. It's so exciting. <laughs> Super exciting. And and that's what basically happened for me is when I, when we first saw it, look, I loved it. It was great. But the dead room made it so that I didn't really have an opportunity to let out the feels. You know what I mean? And don't yeah. get me wrong. I'm happy to be the only guy crying in room two. It was more the matter of <laughs> it just didn't like there wasn't root like the emotional energy of the room was so flat. I got home and watched what you're talking about, some audience reaction videos and I was like, there's my nerds. Here we go. We can all cry together. And I did. Yeah. So yeah. I'm with you. So there's one particular scene I want to mention very quickly, which is which is what firmly planted it in my top five. And it's back to what we talked about with Rudy. It's cheap. This was a cheap pull that they did. And I'm fully aware of it. However, as a girl dad, I don't care. When Captain Marvel shows up and they say, how are we going to get through this? And they say, you've got help. I'm literally getting emotional right now. And it's all the female characters. Oh, I'm a mess right now, dude. It's so good. It's so good. It's so aggressively cheap. Like it was such a cheap, like emotional, like I didn't care. Like just to know that like at some point my girls will get to watch that scene. Yep. It's special, dude. Like that's special stuff. I, I agree. And a lot of people felt it was forced. Look, I agree. It's a forced scene, but you know what? It's okay. Like, you're going to tell yeah. me seeing um, R2 and C-3PO in Rogue One as they fly out of the one base isn't a force. Of course it's force. Like, like that's the, the truth is cameos are forced. Lots of the things we love in movies are forced. It's okay. Like fan service is a thing. It's worth doing. It's just worth doing right. And I would argue this was done pretty right. Could, could they have improved it and had them like – more obviously closer together on the battlefield. Well, yes, that like they could have made it more like plausible. But does right. it have like? Can we all just be like, it is a movie about space gods? Like, yep. <laughs> like it's a movie about space gods, right? With lasers. Yeah, and and my thing like is, listen, like I said, I I acknowledge that it was cheap and. In context, it's like it's it's totally fan service and it's like really, really, it's like six out of ten fan service. It's not even well done. Out of context, that's a really meaningful scene. Out of context, if right. you just watch that, if you forget the rest of the movie, forget that there are male superheroes, forget that there's another battle going on, to watch a bunch of different looking, aggressively different looking, powerful women with different skill sets come together to to like service something in a superhero context is a big feckin' deal. Yeah. And like that, like to me is I I'm 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 eternally grateful, even as Schmaltz over the top dumb, even like I think the first time I saw it, I probably went, ugh. Now what I, dude, I'm literally like crying right now. Like it's so important to me that my girls see that. And because it was also like that's an olive branch to invite little girls into the Marvel universe, right? which Marvel has been good at, but not great. And like, so even though that's over the top, I'll take over the top as opposed to non-inclusive every time. Agreed. Uh, I also, it's, it's never lost on me. You know, it's funny when like, cause, cause obviously like these days, everything's becomes a polarizing, whatever. 
but it's never lost on me. Like all the all the misogynists or whatever out there who are like, bah, Forrest, blah, blah. At the end of the day, whatever you're going to say, the two characters who almost overpowered Thanos are Captain Marvel and Scarlet Witch. Right? That's it. It's no guys. No, none. <laughs> none of the guys. Uh, all right. Uh, we're going to do a radical turn from there to the next one. Great, because I'm a mess, so I, I need you to talk for a while. 2017, a Metacritic of 67, spreadsheet tied for fifth with a 74. It's okay. tied. Yeah. Starring Sylvester Stallone and Bradley Cooper. What? Yep, that's right. And I'm going to give my five words as redefining whistle while we work. Uh, uh, huh. First of all, very hard to guess with tears rolling down my face. That's actually happening. Um, okay, Bradley Cooper, Sylvester Stallone. I'm going to go ahead and assume this isn't The Expendables. <laughs> it's a, you, you're wrong, JT. It's Expendables 7. <laughs> the, uh, the, the mutiny on the sun. I, I, uh, I don't know. I actually don't know this movie. Oh, you do. You do. The movie is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Oh, oh, wait. Who sliced alone? I'm 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 gonna be embarrassed right now. Sorry, movie news. Who is who is sliced alone in this? He was like the I don't know his title, but he's the head of the Ravagers. He's the Oh. He was the guy. Oh my who, god, he is. Oh my god, he is. Okay, yeah. there she is. Okay, there I found go. it. Okay. And uh, you know, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Like that sequence. <laughs> where, you know, again, spoiler everything spoilers today, everybody. Sorry if you if you haven't picked up on that. We probably should have opened with it, but who knew? I guess you could assume in the movie we're talking about crying since most cry sequences are the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. If you press play on this episode, I, it's it's your fault. Well, I'm not. I, I refuse for us to harbor responsibility for spoilers in this. You should have known. We'll put it in the written description. So if you got this far, then maybe you should read a little more before you listen. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. So this is another one of those. It didn't do a ton for me the first time watching it. But when I and I actually did not love uh, GOTG 2. It's in my bottom, bottom third of the MCU. Uh, but the bond that's formed between Peter Quill and Yondu... So it, it really is kind of beautiful. And mm -hmm. there really is this like whole, it, it's like the space field of dreams or something. I don't know. It's, it, there's, <laughs> there are some parallels there, but the self-sacrifice at the end and the way it's done. And I, I still don't know if Chris Pratt's an amazing actor or not. Like I like watching him. I don't know his acting chops like per se, but the the sequence of him like reacting to Yondu dying in front of him is beautiful, and it definitely definitely has a teardrop every time for me these days. Yeah, this is a is a really good pick. Uh, I I also feel the same way about Chris Pratt. I can't tell. I love him as him, for yeah. sure, and he's great. I like him a lot, and and he's fun to watch. And I loved him as Andy, and he's good. I even like him in those horrible Jurassic Park movies because he's fun. I haven't really seen this is probably the only scene I've ever watched with him in it where I went, ooh, acting. 
Yeah. Where I was like, oh, you're like outside of Chris Prattdom right now where you can't be like jokey, funny, fun. I was like, <laughs> this is rough. This is like a hard watch. Uh, it's a, yeah, that's that's a really good pick. I It's funny. I think because of where I have that in the MCU, I forget that it's a movie, actually. Right. Right. Because every like it's it's the last thing I would think about with Guardians. I would think about them in every other movie other than that one first. <laughs> Well, what happened for me here is I was similar to you. I immediately Endgame came to mind. I was like, you know, A, I've been talking about Endgame. We've talked about it a few times, and why not? It's worth talking about, you know. Certainly fits our oeuvre. If we had an oeuvre. (laughs) Uh, But we don't necessarily get as much talking time for the rest of the MCU. So I started, like, I just literally scanned the titles. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Oh, that one. Yeah. And, And there we go. It's a good pull. I like it very much. Uh, All right. I'm going to go into a different direction again. January 9th, 1998 with a 70% on the old Metacritic. 1998, huh? All right. Continue. Um, Let's do Stellan Skarsgård and Scott William Winters. (laughs) I don't know who Scott William Winters is, but I know Stellan Skarsgård. 1998. Wait, it's definitely 98. Yeah. Oh, I know the movie. I thought it was 97, but uh, I know I, I'm. I'm. Have you? Let's hear your five words. I'm sure I know it though. All right, my five words were, "Son of a bitch, he stole my line." That's more than five words. No, "son of a bitch" is all one word. <laughs> all right, mine was, "It's not your fault, janitor." Yes. So this is Goodwill Hunting. It so is. two Robin Williams movies on my list, and uh, both of them shot to the top for me basically immediately when this like when this came to mind. The that line, the son of a bitch, he stole my line, is how the movie ends, and it's actually ad lib by Robin Williams, which I think is just the best. Like that's so good. Um, if you don't remember where that is, do you remember that scene? It's the, is it after the I'm going to go see about a girl. Yeah, it's so yeah. good. That's so so good. So there are there's a couple scenes in this that I actually think are super heart pulley. The one with Affleck telling him to get out of town is big. The bench scene in the park is obviously huge, and then that therapy session, man, like that's it's just gut wrenching. Like it's it's just brutal truth, and it was like so vulnerable and so honest. Um, and also, I think not to be like too, I don't know, foofy or whatever. But, like, it's one of the first times that, like, it was normalized to see somebody go through therapy and and find themselves as a dude, mm-hmm. right? Like, usually it's always, like, some sort of weird comic thing where somebody's, like, playing cards while someone's on a couch or they're doodling. This was, like, watching somebody do the work, man. And it was early, right? Like, if they did something like that today, you'd be like, oh, therapy is the best. Dude, 1998, there wasn't about a, a bunch of guys coming out of, like, South Boston who were like, I got to get in touch with my feelings, bro. Like that wasn't a thing. Right. So it carried a lot of emotional impact now, like watching it at the time at 98, I was young. Um, now watching it, I'm like, oh man, this is like bold. Like there's a lot of big stuff happening. But every time, man, those two scenes, both those scenes, every single time also, and the Ben Affleck scene, there's a couple mo- moments in this where I'm at the very least choked up. So I don't know that any of them were ball scenes for me to use your rubric, but I'm on the brink of tears quite a few times throughout this, which makes me think of this movie as being a crying movie. I, I think that's fair. For me, it was the, it's not your fault scene. That's the one that, that got oh, a yeah. pong for me. 
Uh, I don't think it's funny that this, most of the other stuff, not as much. Although I really like Chucky's reaction at the end when, when uh, Matt Damon's not there, just that, just the way yeah. he just sort of is like, again, it's Affleck really channeling his, his best acting self. And like, he's wistful. Yeah. You can see he's sad, but you can see he's like truly happy for his friend. You know? Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, this movie just like, and also I have a, an emotional current of loss that, you know, is a, is a part of who I am and a part of my life. And this deals with loss in a couple really interesting ways, right? And it's, it's multifaceted because it's not just when he loses Damon. It, it's also, uh, it's also watching Sean deal with the loss of his wife. It, like, you know, there's like a lot of different threads that they pull on. And so if that's a, a thing that strikes true to you, this movie is just really, really well done. Obviously, it's won all the things. So, <laughs> no, it's great. And I hadn't really thought through what you were saying about normalizing therapy, but I, I think you're right. It probably contributed a lot to, you know, because what did you what did you really have before then? You had not a lot. I'm, I'm trying to remember. Uh, was it like Doctor Katz? <laughs> Doctor Katz, and you had the one with uh, with with De Niro. Was it Meet the Parents? Isn't there a therapist in that? Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, but not not in this vein. <laughs> and then right after this, though, you end up with The Sopranos, right? I'd be curious right. to see how much there's a correlation there. Like, were they inspired I bet, by? I bet. I bet there's a correlation. I also bet in the real world there's a hockey stick after these two things came out because it, it it's important, right? You want to see people. That's why we go to movies. Like, you want to see yourself doing other things. And I think seeing people go better themselves through therapy is. I think it was, it was a, it's a big deal, man. Yeah. Good one, buddy. Definitely more meaningful than my next pick. Perfect. <laughs> 1991. Metacritic score somehow as low as a 38. Which oh boy, that's low, low. Just mean like I, I've seen this movie many times, but but definitely not since I'll go with 98 was probably my last viewing. Okay. So I don't remember it being a bad movie. But thirty-eight, you know, we're not we're we're only more just barely half of a Wall Street here. That's pretty bad. Yeah. All right. But again, in my spreadsheet, it's a seventy-four. So there you go. I'll give you Robert De Niro and Donald Sutherland. Holy moly! Okay, when did this come out? Nineteen ninety-one. You definitely did not see the. Your parents did not take you to this one. I would have been sick, so it would have been weird. Exactly. weird, probably. Um, I don't know. Can I have, let's, let's do the five words. You go, we go. Fire. You go, so as in you moving, not you go the car. We go, fire. I don't have any idea. I don't have any idea, dude. I don't know if you've seen this. You might not have. The delivery should have been a bit more like you go, we go. And then fire is sort of your other clue. Got it. Sort of not, you know. What if I put Scott Glenn in it? I don't even know who that is. <laughs> uh, you do from other stuff, but that would take us too long. What if I put Kurt Russell in it? I mean, I for sure know who he is, but for some reason this still is not ringing any bells. The movie is Backdraft. Never seen it. Wow. I had a hunch you were about to say that. So Ron Howard directed. 
Yeah. But I have no idea why it's a 38 on Metacritic. Again, it's probably just not actually that good a movie. But 20-something me loved the backdraft. <laughs> okay. And I'll try not to spoil this in this as much as I can for you, JT, but needless to say, somebody dies in this movie. Sure. You know, it's a movie about firefighters fighting fires. fires. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but not with fire, with water, you know, and axes and stuff. Right, 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 right. Was Dennis Leary in this? He should have been. No, it's the other one. Yeah, yeah he should have been for sure. <laughs> so... Anyhow, one of the one of the protagonists dies in the movie, and there's a resulting funeral scene Ooh, that boy. they they do so reverently. I don't know what it actually is like when a uh, when a first response when a when a firefighter dies in service. What what the uh, procedures are like? It's rough. But this movie is also set in Chicago, which is a very beautiful, picturesque city to do things. And so they have this funeral that's like the streets of Chicago and like everybody's there and they're wearing, you know, the, whatever the best suits, the dress blues, the dress blues, they're wearing those and like they're folding up the flag to give to the wife. And let me tell you, it is done so, so well and sweetly. And I don't, I, again, it goes into that. I don't know how you'd watch that scene. If you've made it that far in that movie and, and all of a sudden this does not hit you in the feels pretty hard, I, yeah. I get, don't know what does. So Backdraft's a movie that I obviously have heard of. I did, I'm did. i surprised to hear it's that low. I thought it was like universally sort of like really liked. Not like loved, but I thought like people yeah. liked it. I, I will tell you as someone that grew up with and have family members who are firefighters and cops, um, Taps and uh, Amazing Grace on Bagpipes, I'm a puddle. It doesn't matter where I am in the world. It doesn't matter what we're doing. We could be at the mall. If some kid breaks out a bagpipe and starts knocking out Amazing Grace, I got to go. I got to leave. I can't be around it. Uh, those are very, very emotional in real life. I I can't even imagine how well Ron Howard would do that on scene. So having never seen the movie, yeah, I could probably cry just thinking about it. <laughs> I love it. The music, it's a great score by, uh, I believe it's a Hans Zimmer score, actually. It's either right. Zimmer or Edelman. I didn't look it up before we, we went into it. It's one of those two. It's a great score. That, too, is moving and melodic and wonderful. I just want you to hear hear the first nine people in the cast. Okay. Kurt Russell, Billy Baldwin, Robert De Niro, Donald, Donald Sutherland, Jennifer Jason Lee, Scott Glenn, who you would recognize, Rebecca De Mornay, Jason Gedrick and JT Walsh, who is definitely a that guy from all '80s movies. I actually know JT Walsh, obviously, because his name's JT, so that 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 tracks. Uh, well, yeah, you had me at Billy Baldwin, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that was my fifth and finale pick. So here's my last one, and I think it's going to be a similar deal. Where I bet you've never seen this movie, uh, March twelfth, two thousand ten, with a. Uh, I'm going to say it's an 81, but it's actually, there is no Metacritic score for this. So it's an 8.1 on the IMDb. It's an 8.1 on IMDb. Okay. I mean, what year? Uh, 2010. Weird. Okay. Uh, I'll give you, I could probably give you the whole cast, but I'll give you Joan Allen and Jason Alexander. 
Joan Allen in 2010. I can't even think about Jason Alexander's in it this point in his career right is it some kind of documentary or something no but it's a it's a true story thing so i'll give you five words never forget anyone you love i'm gonna guess this is a true story on someone with like alzheimer's or something like that all right, so good. So the the it was Richard Gere is the lead. Uh, the movie is called Hachi, a dog's tale. <laughs> you know, it. I'm, I have not seen it. I have briefly heard of the name of it, and I actually went looking like, are there any dog movies I've seen? Because obviously, I thought of Old Yeller, but that I've yep. seen because I'm sure there's something in there, and I couldn't come up with any. So this is yeah, the one, huh? Well, so here's the deal, Marley and me. Uh, you know, brutal. Any anytime a dog dies, I am legend. Brutal. Like, just don't kill dogs. We don't deserve dogs. Dogs are the best, and so they they shouldn't die. This one is. I actually don't want to tell you what happens because you actually should see this. Okay. Um, but Hachi is a dog who loves his owner, and sad things happen. That's probably not what you think. It's actually not what you think, and they actually. It's the reason that I wanted to use this. However, I will tell you that my wife and I watched this movie, not necessarily knowing what it was, but it was, like because it was a big release in the UK, and I think a friend of mine rec- recommended it to me. Um, lots and lots of beautiful, beautiful imagery, um, really, really great sound work. Uh, it's just a really good, it's like a really well done sort of movie. It's also fun because Richard Gere got to work with his son, which is kind of neat. Uh, but, oh boy, you better, brought to you by Scott's Tissues. You'll need all of them. It was <laughs> Like it's brutal. Well, I I will check it out. I figured there'd be some. I, I saw the art of racing in the rain, and mm-hmm. it definitely was. You know, it was like tearful, but in a way where I felt that it was more manipulative than 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 deserved. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, it totally does. The thing, like, the thing that's great about this movie. So it's based on a real story that's actually back from like um, Odate, Japan, in 1923, and it's, it's this whole thing, and it's actually a really beautiful, very well-known story about Akitas in general, which is the, hmm. the, the breed of dog. Um, they're aggressively loyal. They're from the mountainous region of Japan, so this is like an adapted version of that story. It's a really, 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 really beautiful story, and it was done well, and I, I really like – what I liked about this is it wasn't that. They didn't like Got lean it. into it. It's just a good story that has some stuff that's going to make you fall apart. Uh, but it it ends in a like, you know, it, it it didn't take it doesn't take the thing of the dog dies. It's not that. Let me. Okay. I'll just tell you that. That's a spoiler. That's not the sad part. Okay. Like that's not well, at all the, the sad dog, part. The dog's gonna. If if your movie's about a dog, your dog is die. dying in the movie. Yeah. 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 Yep. <laughs> that, that's great, actually that's our new list. Top five movies where the dog doesn't die. That yeah, listen, I would love to make that. I'd love to make that list. But the thing that's interesting about this is the dog makes you cry in this, and it's not because of the dog dying, which is why I think this is actually probably why this one's so emotional. Because again, dogs are the best. <laughs> okay. Well, now you got me. I'm curious what happens to this dog. And it's an Akitas are Akitas are cute. They're like the anime version of dogs. Yeah, they basically are uh, walking stuffed animals. Like they're yeah. not real. They're not real beings. They're just like these fluff things that you get to hang out with. That, that's really fun. It's like the Ibo. Yeah, <laughs> it's ex- yeah, it's exactly what it is. 
Uh, okay, that means that we should get into Contender Pong. Jeremy, this week, you get to lead us in. All right, well, I'm going to start with, I did actually have my honorable honorable mention for the week. Ooh. Probably not super shocking, but 2003 with a Metacritic score of 94. Okay. Uh, and You Bow to No Men is both the clue and the moment in the movie where I cry. Uh, 2003, you bow to no men. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Or oh, you no. bow to no one. I'm sorry, but you bow to no one. Yeah, yeah, you bow to no one. Oh gosh, this is going to be brutal because I can literally see this. I can see this in my brain, and it's not. It's not coming to me. It's seventh ranked movie of all time on IMDb. Yeah, that's I always just so you know, I'm glad you do that because it's a good piece of context for the audience. It just makes me feel worse every time <laughs> that I'm not going to get it. I just figured you guess it because of me to be candid. That's my final. Yeah. Thought. So is is it is it? Oh, no, this is. Uh, yeah, this is. Oh, right. It's this is the part where Aragorn tells the the hobbits that you bow to no one. <laughs> OK, there she is. Thank you. <laughs> that's the scene. We talked about this movie a few weeks ago where I feel Again, slight my my biggest criticism of the work that Peter Jackson and uh, and and Fred and the rest, Fred Walsh and the rest did, was was the ending of Return of the King. I thought that could have been a twenty minute long uh, tier, one single tier for twenty straight minutes, just building <laughs> up, and falling out of your head. Uh, and instead, I felt this is the highest emotional peak of the journey, and. Vigo's delivery of the line is so preciously done. So it's in my honorable mention. It would have made my top five if I hadn't talked about Return of the King so many times. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Okay. Uh, yeah, great pick. I'm just, listen, I got to be honest. I'm just really glad I got it because I would have been so frustrated if I didn't get that. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I kept laying into the, you know, it's 2003 again. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, all right. So does that mean I should go? Yeah. All right, let's do 98 with a 91 on Metacritic. James, earn this. Earn it. 98 with a 91 on Metacritic? Sure is. I don't know. This is Saving Private Ryan. Oh. Yeah, it was not in my final list. It's one of those ones I early thought about and forgot to write down. Good job, JT. Thank you. I'll take that one. (laughs) <laughs> all right uh 1980 do you have a specific scene or are we doing do you have a- uh well that i mean that one so that that quote is actually from it right so that's tom hanks yeah. on the bridge in the end for sure right yeah okay 2002 metacritic score of 72 uh dad bod takes the mound oh 2002 dad bod takes the mound um not the natural. Nope. 2002 is throwing me off. What was it? Is it a baseball movie from 2002? Yep. Um, the Rookie? Yeah. Hey, look at me go. Okay, there it is. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, it's the whole, like, the final part of that story. It's great. Beautiful. Yeah, same deal. Uh, okay, uh, 2000 with a 67 on Metacritic. At my signal, unleash hell. 2000 with a 67. 
At my signal, unleash hell. 2000. I get you on this one all the time. You do. But it's something I've seen, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling like it's a Star Wars or something. This is Gladiator again. Uh, For some reason. (laughs) You know what? I'm just going to rewatch it. I've only, because I only saw it once, is why. I saw it when it came out in the theaters, liked it, did not love it. And was like, okay, good movie. And then just started winning all these awards. I was like, wow, that, that's pretty good for an action movie. And so now I should I should just rewatch it. Probably should. All right. So 1986, Metacritic 75, Friends When I Was 12. Uh, I wrote my my I was gonna give you two words for this. Skin it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's stand by me. And for me, it's when Actually, Richard Dreyfus from Mr. Holodopus is narrating at the end that whole sequence that starts with you never have or ends with you have never had friends like the ones when you were 12. That's right. Yeah, it's yeah. a great scene. Uh, okay, uh, 82 with a 91. You could be happy here. I'm going to just guess that that's E.T. It's E.T., yeah. Yes. Uh, so for me, obviously, it's, it's just the last scene. That whole last scene when he touches his heart, I'll be here. Uh, makes me cry. I don't like it. <laughs> et, I, I can never figure out is et somewhere in my head as a horror movie because of those because of when all the doctors and science people show up and et is about yeah. to die. Yep, for way too long, long time. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. All right, but yeah, I, I definitely cried in that movie. Uh, we already had this one, 1997, Metacritic 59, uh, Italian Father of the Year. Oh. um Oh, okay. life is beautiful. Yes. Yeah, sure. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Basically, that whole thing. The only thing I cried at harder than that movie is his acceptance speech at the Oscars. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's do 2015 with a 67. You'll always be my brother. Stepbrothers? No, this is, and I'm not sad. I'm not sorry. Everyone's going to make fun of me. I don't care. As cheesy as this was, purely, purely fan payoff when Paul Walker takes a left and Dom Toretto takes a right in Fast and Furious 7. If you don't cry at that moment because Paul Walker was actually deceased, you're a bad person. (laughs) I think that's a definitive generational pick. I think. Sure. I think it's. I just could never fully get into. Like, you know me, I, I secretly love all these movies. Uh, I'll bet you, though, rewatching it, maybe with the kids as they get a little older, maybe it'll hit me a little different. Maybe, Dude, the, again, it's the thing where it's the sunset and the cars and they look yeah. at each other and the music like they like there's a very particular like, like yeah, that whole thing. He was a, I mean, that listen, that franchise, I grew up with that franchise. It was the first right. movie was meant for me. So, yeah, you're right. right. I'm sure generationally it means more. And no, yeah, to me, Paul Walker was just the loud, and I mean, there's no disrespect, but he was just the bad actor who was in the Fast and Furious franchise, right? Who unfortunately passed away, et cetera. I don't want to, I'm not trying to diminish that. I do believe they ha- the, the, the franchise, the filmmakers, the producers, everybody involved, I don't think they've ever, I don't, I don't know of Hollywood handling an actor's passing more professionally, more beautifully, more honorably. To take a guy who we could argue probably wouldn't have had another career. Like, this was all he would have done. He would have been like uh, Grint from uh, Harry Potter, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, so, well done, Fast and the Furious franchise. I agree. 
2018. Now I'm going to say before I give you this one, every now and then, you know how we were talking about how Endgame, the the, the portal sequence makes you cry just out of that, like the uplift, not the sadness. Sure. 2018, Metacritic score of 83. I will say that I think it was the entire last 15 minutes of this movie I cried through. And it's uh, Karate Kicked the Boulder Problem. Karate Kicked the Boulder Problem. Oh, uh, Free Solo. Yes. Yeah, man, this is good. I didn't cry during this at all, though, because I think I know he made it. But I do feel you that it was like... I had a lot of anticipation. There was a, there was just like a high level of anxiety and anticipation, but it didn't turn into tears for me. Now, for me, when somebody, I have this thing where when you get to witness an act of unbelievable greatness, like when I was watching The Last Dance, there were certain moments of it, rewatching them from the perspective of what was going on in Jordan's life, and his, like I was like, oh my god, like, and then watching him just step up and do certain things. For me, watching Alex Hummel actually do the last bits. Like, like it was so inspiring. And I was like, I was crying, actually like happy that my kids are watching this thing. It was such a uplifting moment. So you just actually, you just clued me into something, which is I lied. I just lied. There is a, there is a part in this movie where I started to cry and you know what it was? It was during the karate kick thing. And it wasn't because of Alex, it was the cameraman. They came back to the guy that was filming it and he freaked. He was like, Oh my God, he did it. Oh my God, he did it. (laughs) To watch his relief in that moment gave me the kind of relief where I think I probably shed a couple of tears. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, okay. Speaking of things that are nostalgic and generational, uh, 1991, uh, it's got a 56 on Metacritic. Can't see without his glasses. Oh, that makes me sad. Just saying that line. I feel I should know this. And it's, oh, what is it? Devastating. This is my girl. Oh Yeah. <laughs> I probably cried in my girl, <laughs> but I, you know what, if, if I'm not mistaken, I think I actually thought about this and was trying to debate whether or not it felt it fell in the guy cry category or not. Well, so th- there's a thread that I'll talk about in Pong, which is that if you don't cry because little baby Macaulay Culkin dies, you're a bad person. And I don't care what you, I don't care what you identify as. <laughs> okay. I'll take it. 1984 Metacritic of 76. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen this, but Journalist versus the Khmer Rouge. I don't know what that is. The movie's The Killing Fields. Never seen it. it? Sam Sam Waterston's in it. It's based on the true story of him reporting about Pol Pot in Cambodia killing two million people. Um, There's a scene near the end that is quite the tear-jerking moment. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, 2006 with a 64... Uh, hey, you're missing a shoe. You keep naming movies. I'm sure I know this one also, and it's killing me when I can't come up with them. Go ahead. This is The Pursuit of Happiness? Yeah. yeah. I love this one, I'll be honest, but uh, but, it, but it's a good pick. This is a – and look, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to – like this is a single parent thing for me. It's, yeah, there's a lot going on that I'm sure probably skews me. Um, specifically when it like you know came out, but uh, it's not a particularly good movie, but it is very very tear jerky. Yeah, all right. Nineteen eighty four Metacritic score sixty one. Reclaimed wood, lightning struck tree. What year is this? Eighty four. 
84, reclaimed wood, lightning stuck. Oh, buddy. I can feel some of our mutual friends being upset with me for not knowing this, but I don't know this. Maybe, maybe not. The movie is The Natural. Oh, it's funny. I said that earlier. Yeah, the baseball bat is made from the, the oh, lightning string the tree. That right. whole final sequence, again, the the accomplishment, the music, the filming, it's a beautiful little moment. Yeah, I agree. Uh, okay, I have a little bit of a run here of three movies that probably shouldn't be on the list based on the title, and I don't care. Okay. This is the first one. 2004 with a 53, Love Can Do Anything. 2004 love actually uh no but you're in the right you're in the right wheelhouse this is the notebook which is notoriously known for being sad for for women and for girls and i've seen it and it's really sad it's super duper sad and i don't care it's it guys can cry at that movie and i'm here to i'll die on that hill yeah i didn't see it not gonna 1990 <laughs> No, it's I'm, real sad. I'm just it's real uh, sad. No, it's like I think it's in the uh, the Urban Dictionary picture for sadness. Is, a, is everybody <laughs> yeah. knows that that movie is like the saddest of sad. Yeah, and I wanted to bring it up on Guy Cry because it's okay for guys to watch chick flicks and cry. Absolutely, I'm just not watching that one. 1990 Metacritic 74. Basically, it's flowers for Algernon. Ooh, 199. Uh, I don't know this one again. This would be my third Robin Williams entry on the week. On the on the on the week is uh, Awakenings. Oh man, I forget that. I forget about that movie a lot. I think I've only seen that like maybe once. That's reasonable. Uh, that's a good poll, though. Yeah. Okay. Good poll. Okay. Here's another one that I'm sure. Yeah, I'm it's, gonna, it's a movie you're only going to see once. Right. Yeah. 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 That's fair. <laughs> that's that's a that's a good point. Uh, so I'll probably get some shade for this one, but again, uh, that's all right. 2006 with an 87. There ain't never enough time. There ain't never enough time. Yep. I'm just going to go on a weird limit. Is there any chance this is 25th hour? No, but that's a really good guess. That's a very good guess. Uh, no, so this is Brokeback Mountain, and uh, there's a couple parts of there's one particular scene in this that is actually truly devastating, and this movie was important for a lot of reasons, and like I have a very weird story of watching this with my roommate, who is like one of my best friends, and both of us felt weird watching this movie together, because at the time, it was still like not a thing that you necessarily did. Like Just two guys sitting on a couch watching Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger kiss and stuff felt unusual, um, and it wasn't, and I actually have really fond memories of like that movie being really like hitting me really hard and being like, Oh man, like it's just a really sad love story. So yeah, Brokeback Mountain's on the list. Nice. 1984 Metacritic far lower than I would have remembered. 46 saddest movie horse death ever. 1996, 86. Oh, 86. Oh, uh, Oh gosh. Yep. Why can't I? Th yeah, the labyrinth. Why can't I think of the never ending story? <laughs> yeah, never ending story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm sorry when that horse and you're just watching oh, it and brutal. it's got big horse eyes and you're like, <laughs> it's got uh, big horse eyes. You know, it's awful. Uh, all right, 1999 with a 61. We each owe a death. 99 with each owe a uh, uh, matrix. Well, I have no idea. No, this was Green Mile. This one almost made my top five. Uh, you know, I never saw it. I read the book. Ooh. And 
I remember when it came out, like maybe it was on something and I started to watch and something came up. And I was like, eh. And I just sort of never went back to it. I didn't love the book. I've read everything Stephen King's put out except for like literally his last two books, just haven't got around to them yet. And I just didn't have any interest in the story, even though I've heard the performances were great and Michael Clark Ooh. Duncan was supposed to be awesome in it. So yeah. good. 2000, Metacritic 48, worst post-victory celebration ever. Oh, 2000. I don't know. Remember the Titans. Oh yeah, that movie does tear me up in a big way. That's fair. Yeah, uh, it's a good. That's a really good five-word entry too. Uh, Ninety-five with an eighty-three. Beware, bad cat bearing grudge. Carfield, the movie. No, Babe. <laughs> you know, also in the list of movies I have never seen. Oh, Babe's actually really sweet. You should watch it with the kids. It's a good movie. I probably will. You know who directed that, by the way, right? Nope. George Miller. Oh, right. I did know that. You brought like, that up before. I forgot. Yeah, like yeah, George crazy. Miller, George Miller. Yeah. yeah, that one. 2009 Metacritic of 53, which is far lower than I thought, from Homeless to First Round. What year is this? 2009. Oh, 2009. Oh, this is not what I think it is. From Homeless to... Oh, uh, the Michael Orr story, Blindside. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, okay. you're guessing strong today, JT. I like movies that make me sad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, Blindside's a horrible miss on my part because, again, personally, that movie has a lot of like stuff in there for me. Oh, that's a miss. That's two that you got me on this week I should have had. Uh, 1996 with a 77, Sweet Jesus, There's Always Tape. <laughs> what? what year? 1996. Sweet Jesus, there's always tape. Yeah. For a second, I want to say like high fidelity, but I know that's not right because of the tape. No. Right. What, uh, nothing. I don't know. What is it? So this is Courage Under Fire. Okay. There's three scenes in that movie that are like not like – the reason this wouldn't be in my top five is because they're all three of them are gut punch cry. None of them are like relief or – satisfaction or it's literally just like it's just there it's rough it's a rough movie all right my final one for pong for the day buddy is 1988 metacritic 65 big brother lousy role model 1998 big brother 88 88 88 88 big brother lousy role model i don't actually know I was going to give it a more obvious clue, like something about like counting matchsticks. Oh, picks. Rain Man. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have two more. Uh, I'll do quick. One, I wonder if you've ever seen this movie, actually. 1970 with a 79%. Uh, mere fodder for mass media. Is it 1970? Is it, it's, is it network? No. Did you ever see Kess? See what? Kess. Kess? K-E-S. Kess. One S or two S's? Just one. No. Okay. So then let's keep going. You should see that <laughs> movie, by the way. It's a, it's, yeah? it's a movie about a kid in, in London, in East London, in a tough part of London who gets bullied. It's a very interesting filmmaker-wise because uh, they use like real people. It was not actors, which is why it's, a, it's, it's interesting. It's a, it gets written about a lot from like weird people <laughs> all right my last one 
2000 with a 73 on Metacritic. I'll do paddling. Hold on. That's Titanic. No, it's not, but that's a good guess. Uh, Castaway. Uh, Wilson! <laughs> wait, but okay. Are you crying with a cheat? Like when he gets out? Or are you crying when he loses the wife? Or are you crying? No, Wilson. When he loses Wilson. Oh. I was super sad for him and Wilson. Like it's a okay. really sad thing. No, they had the they had the quite the bond though. It's very very true. I, I was just yeah. curious what was the moment. No this one was also my most fun sort of I'm kind of kidding entry, but it also made me laugh when I thought of it. I'm like, what's this part in a movie that makes me really sad? I'm like, oh, poor Wilson is like one of the first things that like made me laugh and chuckle. Uh, okay, Jeremy, that means this list is in the bag, and I feel really good about it. Uh, it also means that we have another list that we need to do next week. Jer, what are we doing? Just before I go into it, because I haven't picked JT, and I'm ready. I just need to know, do you sort of feel like you had a big cry today? Because I feel a little like, ooh, this was a good yeah. one. Like, I really enjoyed the chat, but I feel like a little more emotional than I usually do at the end of our recording. <laughs> yeah, I don't usually have a lot of emotional feelings other than like, that was fun. I really enjoyed that. Right now, I kind of feel like I kind of want to lay down and like, you know, just go to bed or something. <laughs> I feel like I've some, some things got out. It feels good. All right. And by the way, listeners, you know, we're we're active now on the social media. You can find us with at lofi top five, all one word spelt lofi top five. <laughs> um, what we're uh, encouraging people to do now that we're doing the social media, we'll see how it goes, is if you think we missed something, reference the episode and just call us out over there and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll give a shout out in a future episode. So you don't even have to record stuff with us or anything like that, but we really want to hear... Are we, did we make you cry today? Did, should you make us cry? Who's crying now? And uh, Puffs, Kleenex, any other brand, you know, we, we, we love you all. <laughs> so moving into next week, JT, I don't know where this idea popped into my head from, but it did. And I did my little bit of homework to, to validate it. And I feel pretty good about it. I'm excited okay. about it. All right. And it is about as bizarre a, a deviation from guy cry movies as I could possibly think. Perfect. Ready? Yeah. Given that we're the top five, this is the top five movies with a number in their title. <laughs> okay. 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 I got some stuff coming to mind immediately. Obviously not including sequel stuff. This is like the, num the number has to be the actual title. That's right. No sequels, but the number has can be it can be written out. It could be Roman numerals if 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 it applies. But okay. the the number is part of the title. Oh no, I'm into this. Okay, I've got some fun stuff already happening. Yeah. All right, I'm here for this. Let's do it. All right, get your tissue box ready. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for joining the Lo-Fi Top Five. See you next time. Jamie,